your guardian angel. They're talking about guardian angels, as I've said to you, uh, I think on several occasions before, that through your schut of getting up early every morning and learning together with me at this time before, before davening, uh, it feels very often as if in the early hours of the morning when I'm learning and preparing, it feels as if I've got angels who are teaching me, who are showing me, showing me things that I've never seen, showing me things I've never thought of. And what's really nice about the, the way we learn is, I've often also referred to the learning, like the importance of, of fresh learning. Every day the Torah should be as new to you. It's like getting fresh bread, like going to the bakery and picking up your bread. You don't want yesterday's bread. So it is with Torah. Torah refreshes every day. And the Torah of one day, just as the Torah of one era is not the same as the Torah of another era, the Torah of one day is not the same as the Torah of another day. Now, if all one's doing is learning, translating what's in the books, nothing changes. It's the same thing you read over and over and over again. There's no, you don't need fresh bread. If you're using synthetic ingredients, you don't have to worry whether it's fresh or not. It's always fresh. It's only if it's organic ingredients, if it's real ingredients. And so with with learning too, what's beautiful about this learning is what we learn together is what was mischadish to me, what came to me today, this morning. Couldn't couldn't be fresher. And when the revolution brings fresh insights when we're learning, totally brings fresh insights. They're insights we need for now. They're insights we need to see. There's a, a relationship between the time and the learning. There's a, there's a zeitgeist. A zeitgeist is not just an era. A zeitgeist is each day has its own zeitgeist. And to learn what's right for the day, and that's why very often one, one learns something with a piece of, from the parasha of the, of the parish of Chumash, which is Shaykh for today, or on Shabbos we're learning, and it's so relevant for today, the things we see it in, it is for today. So with all one's learning, if one's learning with a freshness and with a newness, what one learns is likely to provide insights for the, for the day, things that we need at this particular time. In this particular case, this morning, the, my guardian angels of the, of the morning, and Yoschus, introduced me to a friend I've never known before, a new friend, a very exciting friend. And in fact, his sefer is in itself a shear. We won't have time to give it its full, full due, but I will mention it in passing, because it's also so part of the zeitgeist. The person is Reb Aaron Volkin. Reb Aaron Volkin was a Talmud of the Nitziv, in Valozhin, and of Rabbi Tzachon Specter in Kovna later on. He was a big posek during, during his period, was one of the first Lithuanian poskim who started dealing with real modern Western issues. I don't even know how they came to him. He used to get, he used to get shyness from all over the world. Things like artificial insemination, he's the first one who really gets into it. Uh, questions of mixed marriages and saying Kaddish after a father who's not Jewish. It, it's the kind of things you wouldn't think were even issues at that time. But he starts to deal with those things. He also, he wrote on, on Shas. By the way, his grandson, Reb Chaim Volkin, was the Mashkiach in Ateris Yisrael, the Rav Izrachi's yeshiva. And he died not long, not long ago. So we have some kind of, of connection there. And he writes in his Sefer on Bovakama, is interesting, and that's why I say it's, it's so applicable to these dark times where we've got so many of our brothers and sisters sit, still in captivity. He wrote Bovakama in his Sefer on Bovakama in captivity. He was arrested by the, by the communists after the First World War, and he spent several months in prison. And how did he deal with that? He says he was surrounded by the bottom of the barrel of human society, of murderers and thieves. There you've got this God will be Israel sitting in a, in a prison with, with these horrible people, 
What did he do? He said, I had all the four mazikim were around me. I lived with the mazikim, so I wrote my parish on Boba Kama. I, I learned Boba Kama and I wrote my parish on Boba Kama. We've talked about how for a, for a Ben Torah, the, the, the world of ideas is his reality. So what, is, what does a Ben Torah do when he's in a situation where the reality is too awful to live with? You move yourself into a different reality. We had a share a little while ago. You remember, and you are where your mind is. You are where your head is. And he put his mind into Bovakama. And he spent those months in, in prison in, in Bovakama. And I just discovered him today. I've tried something new just to use the, the actual form of the Gomorrah page instead of printing it out the way I have been. And I'd be interested in your feedback, both yours and people who are listening in, and use the source sheets, whether you prefer it this way or you prefer it the, the old way. But there's certainly advantage in being able to see the Tzurat Hadaf, the page, as it's classically printed. At the end of the fifth line from the top of the page, the Gomorrah says, we're talking about the fact that a boar has to be ten tfachim to be able to kill an animal. The ten tfachim is about 40 inches. That's about a meter in depth. If a, an animal falls a meter and lands on its head, it can die. So that's a boar. If ten tfachim, says the Gemara, can cause death, when you give a person skila, when a person does something that requires the punishment of death by stoning, we don't stone him, we push him off a, a structure. And he dies. And if he doesn't die, you, they, they then stone him. And you remember, of course, that this uh, happened very seldom, if ever. That's the, the metaphor, that's the model, that's what you have to have in mind when one thinks of an, of an isu skila, that's what it is. And the structure from which they used to throw him off was... Two, two heights of a human being. So if a person averages six foot or whatever, that would be 12 foot. He would stand on top of a 12 foot structure and they would push him down. That's like four meters. Ask the Gemara, why do you need four meters? If a boar can kill a tent fachim at one meter, why do you have to build a structure of four meters? Says the Gemara, let's make it only 10. Says, you see from here that even a person who is a rasha, who is chai of mita, is still considered reacha, and the principles of avta l'recha kamocha still apply to in this particular situation. So you've got to give him brolo mita yafa, you try and do a, a death that is quick. Yes, it's true, you could push him off from ten from one meter, and if he lands on his head, he could be concussed and die from that, but it could take a long time before he dies. That's not what you do to somebody you care about. It's bad enough that we're chayev to give him the death sentence, but you do it to him in a way which is as quick as possible under the circumstances, and therefore we make it a, a taller structure than that. Says Tosfus, on the left-hand side, you'll see that Tosfus, Navid, Chutum Asara, medama trefot adam le trefot so we see the Gemara is treating the physiology of the animal and the human identically in terms of what is capable of causing its death. So the tent fachim can cause an animal's death, as we're talking about a boar, that's tent fachim which can cause an animal's death. From that the Gemara is asking, so when you stone a human being, it should also only be tent fachim, why do you have to go higher? So you see the Gemara considers whatever could cause the death of an animal could cause the death of a human and vice versa. And we say the same in, in Masech the Chulin, and the Gemara there brings a, a proof from, from Eiv. But it's difficult, says according to the view of Rabbeinu Tam, because Rabbeinu Tam 
does not make that comparison. Rabbi Yudatam says an animal can die more easily than a human. And you can't just make, make comparisons. Where do we have that Tosfus? If you turn over the page, you'll see at the top, I bring you the Tosfus from, from Chulin, where Tosfus is talking about different trefot, different forms of illness in an animal, that if you discover this illness after you've slaughtered the animal, you know that the animal wasn't going to live for more than a year, and therefore the animal is if dead already, and the shkita is not what killed the animal, and therefore you can't eat the animal even though it was slaughtered correctly. And the, the Rabbein Tan says there, there's a difference if there's a hole in the skull. Does the hole have to be through the, the membrane of the, of the brain or only the skull, the outer skull? And the Tosfus makes a difference. Rabbein Tan makes a difference. An animal is a trefire if it's just the skull which is cracked. But a human being, the skull, can he can recover from a cracked skull. There needs to be penetration of the membrane around the brain. Then he's considered a trefer, but not. So you see, you've got different criteria for a trefer for a human and a trefer for an animal, says Tosfus, says, says Rabbi Natam. Says the Roshash. No, even according to Rabbi Natam, this is fine. Why? What does Rabbi Natan say? What's the difference? Not because their physiology is different. Not because a human is stronger than an animal. Not because a human skull is stronger than an animal skull. It has nothing to do with their physiology. It's to do the Adam Itle Mazla. A human being has mazl. And we've had this a few times already in the Gemara. And that means there's a, there's a force that we'll, we'll see in a moment how, how we're going to define that. And the fact that a human being has muzzle means that he can, he can escape certain situations which an animal who doesn't have muzzle would be killed by. The pure physiological damage is enough to kill him. But sometimes Hashem steps in, the person has a muzzle and, and he doesn't die. And an important chidush says the Rashash. Here that he has been destined to be killed, he's been given the death sentence, the angel steps aside. So it always worried me with one's guardian angels. Why does ever, anybody ever get sick? Why does anybody ever die? What happened to the angels? Why don't they step in? And never, we've, we're having people who are dying every day in, in Gaza at the, at the moment. Why don't the angels protect? comes a time when the Rebunishalim decides and the angels step aside. As long as the angel is there, there's protection. The angel has to step aside. It says the, the Rishash that once a person's been given the death sentence, the angel pulls aside and nature takes over. And now he's treated in the same way as the animals. So it explains the Rishash. Now with the angel having stepped aside, there is no difference between an animal and a, and a human being as far as this is concerned. And that's why our Gemara makes the comparison, even according to Rabbi Nittam. That's how the Rishash learns it. The base iron, Rabbi Volkin, I told you about, goes through it in a similar way to the Rishash. Either he didn't see the Rishash or when he was writing this in prison, he didn't have access to, to the Rishash. He brings the same, basically expands and explains the Rishash. The problem with the Rishash is he answers so well that you don't understand what Tosfus's question is. Tosfus leaves it and says, what, there's a problem. The Rabbeinu Tam, the Mechalek Benehem. Rabbeinu Tam, who makes a difference between animal and man, says Tosfus, I can't understand this Gemara, which compares animal and man. And Tosfus leaves it as a kashi, he leaves it as a question. Whereas according to the Rishash, it's, it's clear. The reason Rabbeinu Tam says man and animal is different is not because of their physiological structure. It's because the one has muzzle and the one doesn't have muzzle. And in the case here where we're talking about a death sentence, the muzzle withdraws, the angel withdraws. So what, what, what is Tosfus' problem? The Rishash answers Tosfus too well. And Rabbeinu Volkin 
explains Tosfos why that doesn't work. And he says in the second paragraph, There's another explanation. Rashi in Bovekama on Dafbeza Mudbeza gives one interpretation as to what mazel is. Rashi says in Bovekama, mazel is she kufo. He knows how to protect himself. In Shabbos, Rashi says, So there are two Rashis, depending on the sugya. Rashi has a different view as what the muzzle of a human being is. The one view is a human being has intelligence and, and instinct and he, can, he knows how to protect himself in ways that animals don't. That's what muzzle means. But Rashi in Shabbos says it means that he has a malach. He has an angel with him. So he says, for a, a, a human, an animal, when an animal falls and smashes its bones, there's no malach there to help him heal. Whereas a human being has a malach. He says, yes, you've smashed your bones. If you were an animal, you would be dead. You're lucky you're not an animal. You're a human being and you've got me by your side. So I'm going to help you heal. I'm going to help the healing process in a miraculous way. If that's what it means, then the same should apply here. When you throw the person off the top, that should, that should apply. And therefore, Tzvitz's question is right. How can you compare the, the human and animals? Human beings have, have got this malach You've got this angel that supports you and that helps you heal in ways that animals don't have that benefit. Then he goes on to say, But even this way, Tosfus's question still remains difficult. Why? He says, because even if the angel's job is to enable you to heal, he wouldn't do that in this case, where a person has been given the death sentence, he's not going to help you heal, and then he extends your, your pain and your suffering. We've just said it's Ve'ahav Talerecha Kamocha, which explains also why we bring the posuk of Ve'ahav Talerecha Kamocha. The Gemara is talking about Barolo Mitayafav. You have to execute a person, execute him in the quickest, most humane way possible. Why? Because Ve'ahav Talerecha Kamocha. And if it wasn't Ve'ahav Talerecha Kamocha, didn't we learn yesterday in Rebsim Chazisel, Hashem is worried about an animal's cruelty to an animal and how much more so to a human being and how much more so to a great human being. Two days ago, didn't we learn the Ibn Esra that Ibn Ishan doesn't want animals to die needlessly? Doesn't bring V'yav to Kamocha. That's a given. Why does the Gemara have to bring V'yav to Kamocha? Because V'yav to Kamocha governs the angel. If the angel would now support, would help this person not die immediately from the trauma of having been thrown off the structure, then it's not you're making it worse, you're causing suffering, you're stepping in, you're intervening where the halacha has already decided that this person is guilty of death. The angel is not going to step in to try and save him from death. The angel will step in to save a person from random acts of damage, but not from damage which is decreed from Shemayim. Then the angel withdraws, the angel stands back. So clearly, once it's decided that a person is going to die, whether it's decided by Beit Din Shilmata or by Beit Din Shilmala, whether a human based in is decided or even more so if Hashem has decided it. Adam Dome Lebehema. Then a human being is left to natural cause and effect, is left to random events. The angels withdraw, no more miracles. The miracles are there as long as Hashem leaves the opening for miracle. But once that opening is shut, there isn't an opening for miracle anymore, and the angel withdraws himself. And that's just such an important uh, idea to, to understand and to go through life with. It's important for you to connect with your angels. 
It's important for you to, to feel the, the angels. Uh, somebody told me just last night, somebody in the United States was, was driving. They normally drive on a very fast freeway. And for some reason, they decided to turn off the freeway and take the back roads. For no, just some, they just they don't even know why. As they left the freeway, they had a blowout. And they just thought to themselves, if they were on the freeway, what that could have, what could they have been? So they fe she felt as if there was a malach, there was an angel that, that just guided her off the road. And it happens to us all the time if our eyes are open to it. There's an angel with us. We each have an angel that protects us if we just let it. If, we, if, we, if we're just open to it, if we don't try and control ourselves too much, our lives, events, if we're, if we're fully in control, we're telling the angel, we don't need you. You've got to be able to leave it to the angel also to help you along the way, and the angel will do that. And it's important to be able to do that. That's Adam Itle Mazla. That's a human being has this muzzle. There's a special force that takes care of him in ways that can't always be explained. Now, how, many, how often will the physicians tell us, right, Dr. Howard, how often are there situations where doctors give up? And it happens. There's a, there's a miraculous change. The doctors can't explain it. The, the angels sometimes step in unless the rebellion Shalom has decided, that's it, the time is up. Then there's no place for the angels. They, they withdraw. So what are the ways that, you can de that your angel will withdraw? Your angel will withdraw if Bezdin has said, this person is guilty of death. Angel withdraws. The angel will withdraw if Bezdin Shomala says, the Rebbe Shem says, this person's life is over or it's inevitable that they're going to experience this particular event. The angels can, can withdraw. And there's a third way angels can withdraw. You chase the angels away by you being the Bezdin Shomata. You make the decisions of what the outcome will going to be. You're so sure about how bad things are going to be. The angel says, okay, if you've decided that's how it's going to be, I'm out of here. Do, manage it yourself. We've got to leave that opening. We've got to understand no matter how bad things look at any given moment, as long as there hasn't been a psaked in, there's an opportunity still for our malach for that angel that takes care of us to argue in our favor, to take care of us, to intervene. And we must leave that opportunity open and keep our eyes open and be grateful and thankful when those events occur.